freight efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends. Here in episode 78, we're joined by Ed Chipalowski. He's NACFI's vehicle service and support manager, where he talks about his career as both a technician and an educator of technicians. He shares his thoughts on how the biggest challenges in trucking impacted technicians and why older trucks are not better than the new ones. He also talks about the most important skills today's technicians need to be successful, the urgency for training for high voltage vehicles, and why technicians should be proud of their skills. This is a good one, folks. Today we have joining us Ed Chipolowski. Ed's the Vehicle Service and Support Manager at NACFI. Yep, that's here at NACFI, the North American Council for Freight Efficiency. And um, he's been with us a number of years, and I'm really excited to, to talk to you today, Ed. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be part of the group. Do you remember how we, how we met and, and first became friends, Ed? I most certainly do. I retired in 2019 from education, career and technical education. And my wife and I, we only have one daughter and she moved down above Philadelphia. So we fixed our house, our house and we moved down next to where we built and with a brand new house, there's nothing for me to do here. And retirement basically became boring. And <laughs> I, I still have the trucking industry in my heart, always will. And I, all, I love helping students and technicians develop their skills and especially in today's world. So a friend of mine, Alan Belgian from Penske, reached out to me with uh, some information from you that you were looking for some more resources. And I sent you my resume and lo and behold, I was, you were kind enough to take me on to the team. Tell us about your career, and you know you talk already about you know a little bit about education and and working with um, different people around you know maintaining these trucks. But um, you know what got you so passionate about about trucks, and in particular the, the their repair and maintenance. I mean, how how did it happen? Getting out of high school, I I came through uh, technical high school. I did not go to college. I came right in, into working. A friend of mine got me involved in working on construction equipment. And then I left there and started with Ryder Truck Rental. Uh, I spent almost 24 years there as uh, a technician working on the trucks. I worked my way up to a top T4. Uh, one of the things that helped me along was be that I was always excited about training. I love learning about the new technologies and everything. And eventually I worked my way to a shift supervisor. I opened a shop in Binghamton, New York. I was chief cook and bottle washer up there for a small fleet. Uh, and then I came back to the Scranton district. And because I loved working with the new technologies and we were in the advent of coming into the electronics, uh, I took the position of a district trainer with our King of Prussia district. So that uh, got me working with more people. I, I got a greater love for, for seeing the lights in their eyes when they, when they got something. Uh, and after that, 
because I got hooked onto the education. Uh, there was an opening at Johnson College in Scranton, Pennsylvania. They were opening up their diesel technology program. I thought, eh, what the heck, let me go see. And with the blessing of my wife, I started there, grew the program from nothing. So had to do a lot of development in the, in the curriculum, uh, doing a lot of begging companies for equipment and working with uh, basically people from 18 to uh, 50 some years old. And then after about five and a half years there, I left and started a whole new pathway. Again, still in teaching diesel technology, but now I was in with high school for, with ninth through 12th grade students. And I spent my, retain, my remaining years a little bit over 16 until I retired in 2019. But, but Mike, that's where I really got the love of helping people and helping students and, and seeing what can come from students who, who struggle with a lot of learning disabilities. And, and once you get them into something that they like, it's just an amazing feeling. Given your time in the industry, I uh, and mine as well, so we, we don't need to get into actual ages and times. We'll, we'll kind of let that go. But we're both in it somewhere around 40 years or more. But, you know, uh, it, there's been a lot of technology that's come to trucking. And um, whether it's, uh, you know, electronic engines, the first electronic engines or um, emissions, you know, I think about uh, how these trucks have become so, you know, they want to be so aerodynamic. So we've wrapped hoods right around the, the engines and transmissions, and we've put aerodynamic devices all over the place, which, you know, causes repair and maintenance challenges. But, and, and I recall, you know, a few years ago for the 50th Earth Day, I put together a presentation in a, in a pretty extensive blog, I think, or white paper on, you know, the 50 years of trucking. Um, and I remember doing that work, Ed, and thinking, man, we've dealt with some big stuff, some, some you know, like many transformations along the way. Um, so I want to ask you, and this is kind of a, probably a big question, but, uh, you know, over those 30 or 40 years, I mean, wh what changes in engines and trucks have been the biggest challenge for the repair and maintenance side of our business? I would have to say the biggest and, and I put it as an evolution. The biggest evolution that we saw in the trucking industry from, from the technician side was the, the development of electronics from mechanical. Listen, Mike, you and I know the old stuff. You know, people talk, oh, the older stuff was better. That's a lot of BS. <laughs> older trucks were not better. Uh, thinking about it last night, I remember doing a PM on a truck and when they had the alcohol evaporator bottles that you had to make sure got filled up with uh, alcohol, denatured alcohol during the wintertime and putting a pan under the wet tank, which they definitely got that word right, and draining about five gallons of water out of it. Uh, there were no driver comforts in the truck mechanical steering with grease in the steering box, all that. 
uh, and the winter time sucked. <laughs> to, to be kind on it, it, it was truly difficult for drivers, for technicians. So the biggest evolution I saw was from mechanical to electronic. And that was, that was a big thing that happened because you remember back, I remember you're maybe not old enough, but during the 70s, when we had the uh, ABS systems were first brought out. And I think they were brought out a little bit too quick onto the market. And there was tons of problems with them. Trucks didn't even have brakes at times on their trailers. Uh, so that frightened a lot of people of electronics. And in fact, I remember with Ryder and other companies, there were technicians and service managers that basically said, screw this, I'm not going to learn new something new. I've done it the old mechanical way, uh, you know, and, and I want to just go home at the end of my nighttime and grab a beer and watch TV. And so there were many people that left the industry, unfortunately because they didn't have the foresight to look at the future. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, out of that then came, you know, we started, the engineers quickly learned how electronics and variable controls and sensors, how, what value that had. And, you know, over the next couple of decades, um, you know, it was a fast and furious adaptation of electronics, you know, I mean, the, and then the emissions rules in the, you know, this started really in the 80s. But in the 90s and aughts where, you know, we had a new emissions regulations every three years, a lot of that then became electronic focused and we were putting sensors in high temperature exhaust streams, right, and all that stuff. So we didn't have time to sit and figure it out. I mean, it was fast and furious that electronics in, in trucks, wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. thousand percent. And the problem at that point is as fast as you were making the decisions and making the changes, there was still the trickle down effect. When did the text get the information? Uh, we were looking at paper manuals, sometimes we're two years behind, uh, you know, and, and thank God they came out with uh, technical service bulletins that were at least able to help us update a little bit. But it was still a struggle, a big struggle, getting the information from the OEs and, and all that down to the technician level. So we weren't messing up the good things that you guys were doing. Oh, Ed, that's a great point. I mean, you, you, you think about, you know, yeah, and I'm glad you called them the good old days weren't so good. <laughs> they weren't so good. Because I mean, you think about it, like in the 80s, so I started my career um, in 1985, really, out of college. And and even at that point, those um, service manuals and so forth you're talking about, those were printed. So, you know, the, the yes, People who are listening might be shocked at that, but we actually had, you know, printed materials, three ring <laughs> yeah. binders, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And so an engine, an engineers, engineers would release a, a new truck product. And at the same time, the service and parts organizations of these truck companies would go develop these, you know, service manuals, um, sales manuals and all that sort of thing. Well, 
Ed, you're right. I mean, some of that would not be available when you launched the truck um, <laughs> because it just took so long to, you know, create them, write them, edit them, send them to printers, get boxes of these manuals together, ship them out to the dealerships, get them sorted, get them out to the right people, do the training. And so, you know, a lot of that can happen much quicker today with digitalization and electronics and in publications and all that sort of thing. But, you know, all of that was also a big challenge with all the new technology over these decades. Oh, it, it was, it, it's night and day, you know? So that's where I have to look at. That's that was the total evolution of what happened. And, uh, uh, and it came on fast and furious, as you as you said perfectly, uh, you know. And either you were ready for it, or you weren't. And the yeah, ones yeah. that weren't were the ones that failed. So I'm I'm glad I got you because a lot of us in the industry think we understand you know repair and maintenance. We think we understand you know repair shops and dealers and all that kind of stuff, but. I'm pretty sure we know a lot less than we think we know. So in, in your view and in, in working yourself in the trade and then, um, you know, training and all the other things over your career, what are, what are really the, the skills that are needed to be a, you know, a, a great uh, engine and truck technician? I mean, what, what, what does it take to be really good at that? And, and um, that's my first question around this. I think, the biggest skill has to be that the technician, and let me stop right there. I have to say I am absolutely thrilled to, to death that we are seeing more young ladies coming into the, into the trucking industry in high schools. And, uh, and I shouldn't even just limit it to young ladies. There's women in all age brackets that are coming in and it's great that we have them and they are bringing such skill levels with them that it's making our industry so much better. But to answer your question, I think the biggest thing, it has to be that the technician has to have a yearning to answer the question why. Uh, and, and not from why did someone do this, but why did the component fail? Why did the wheel bearing fail? Why did the starter fail? And if they get that into their mindset, they're going to not become a parts changer. They're going to know how to change the part, uh, but they're also going to be able to have a greater understanding and a, and a greater thought how do I know that this isn't going to happen again? Because the end result is when that truck fails, 90% of the time it's going to fail out on the road and it's going to fail in an unadvantaged and advantageous area and time when the load has to be delivered. So having that curiosity in them uh, is probably going to, help them the most and and they have to have a great concern for the customer uh, drivers are customers uh, we want them to get home at the end of the day just as much as we want to get home you know so you have to look at them and and not become a battle between the technician and the driver they're yeah. they're human beings they're wonderful people 
I've had drivers who have stayed out in the pouring rain holding a flashlight for me while I was trying to work, work repair their truck. Also, a technician has to have a tenacity. Those times are going to happen when they're going to be on the side of the interstate in the middle of the night, a little terrified for their lives because the trucks and cars going by them at 70, 80 miles an hour are going to be very close, but yet they still have to get the job done. And they may be cold and maybe be hungry and they may not have the parts, but they have to have that tenacity to say, hey, I'm gonna do this because I wanna get that driver going. Uh, they can't give up and they wanna be part of the team of the bigger picture and then come back and, and share their war stories of how uh, they got the driver going and it, it just builds a lot. So- Yeah, and that's all about, you know, that's all about the whole trucking network of moving goods. I mean, we all we all treat it as like a, like a, like, you know, do or die situation. I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna get the load moved. We're gonna get the driver back in the truck um you know great great points and i i really like your um you know parts changer versus um you know i don't know what you called it but really that tenacity around root cause because it's it, it's kind of easy to put a band-aid on something and then uh uh you know um uh, have have the problem occur a second time or a third time or so forth so re really interesting there a quick plug on for tmc i think i mean you know i mentioned earlier that a lot of people don't understand or a lot of us um may not understand the the technician's role but um you know a great place to go see it firsthand is the uh technician competition at the fall tmc i mean we've got one coming up in cleveland you know that's the technology and maintenance council of the american trucking associations i mean would you take a couple of minutes um i know we'll run out of time here but uh Ed, take a couple of minutes and tell the the audience about uh about that competition and um you know really it's open to anybody to come and watch Oh, the TMC Technician Super Tech Competition is, uh, the only way I could say it, it's incredible. Uh, I, I've been coming there for several years, and I love sitting and watching and speaking with the technicians as they go through their competitions areas. Uh, I'll always ask them, how's your brain? <laughs> you know, they'll have a, a little glazy eyed look in it and they would say, oh, my brain is like mush. Uh, but after the whole thing is over, I'll talk to them and say, are you going to be back next year? And as soon as I say, say they would say absolutely will. And they they love gaining the information going back to their friends and passing on the information. Oh, to see, to see how that competition has transformed from being just a small number of professional technicians in the trucks, but now into the trailers, into forklifts. And I have to say, personally, the best of all is the future tech competition. It's wild, um, and I, I would encourage anybody who, um, really anybody listening to this, if you care about what we're up to here at NACFI and, and so forth, seeing how these technicians compete is, is incredible. So, uh, Ed, we only have a couple minutes left. I, I want to ask you, so given all of this, 
and and you're and you know you're understanding now where we are with things like um you know connectivity and elect battery electric trucks and hydrogen fuel cells and and uh, automation, you know, self-driving trucks and all that. I mean, wow, it's just like blows my mind sometimes what we all think we're going to have in front of us. Is our repair and maintenance world ready for all this? I mean, are we going to look back on 20 years from now and go, oh my God, that was a real problem? Or do you think we'll figure it out or somewhere in between? Oh, I have no doubt that we'll figure it out. Uh, are we ready for it? Uh, the OEs are I believe they're ready for it. The rest of the industry, I do not believe the technicians are ready for it. I, I think there needs to be a more a greater emphasis on training. I think there has to be a, a greater sense of urgency that they know and everyone else knows that we're dealing with higher voltages than 12 volts. Uh, I I call them ultra high voltages, somewhere that I've seen in the range up to a thousand volts. Uh, 12 volts won't hurt you. Anything that you do wrong with the ultra high voltages, your history and possibly anyone else around you. Uh, so I think there, there needs to be a greater role. I, I'm a proponent, I've said it before and I'll say it again till the day I die, I'm a proponent of licensing for technicians who work on the ultra high voltages on the on those voltages only. Uh, just like in houses and industry, all electricians, they have to have standards, they have to be licensed. We're not dealing with 12 volts anymore. Uh, and that also brings me into the into the aspect with the training. Uh, as you know so well, I'm a firm believer in uh, augmented reality. And I think using new training methods that the, the students and people have grown up used to be used to using with their cell phones and iPads and everything, uh, it just opens up so much possibilities for them. Uh, you get real time pictures, you can communicate with OEs while you're working on a vehicle. It, it just is so terrific. What's your advice to the to the new technicians that are coming into the field or those that have been in it a while but, but need to uh, adjust for these new technologies? And then secondly, just what might you offer to all the rest of us uh, who are, are helping to support them in their work? Um, what are a couple thoughts around that? I would tell every new technician and every old technician out there, embrace the new. Uh, don't look at, oh, I remember this, ah, BS, it wasn't that good. <laughs> look at the new stuff. Yes, the new stuff is going to have some problems, but in the long run, it's going to be a whole lot better. Uh, be proud of your skills. The days of the pig pen technician are gone. Uh, you're, you make it dirty, you make it your hands, your knuckles bruise at times and everything, but be very proud of your skills. There's very few people on the face of the earth that can do what you do. Also remember trucking is 24 seven. We all like to have our job at our times, but we have to be flexible. You have to be flexible on when you can work, when the company wants you, but I think 
companies are also realizing this and they're making it more lucrative for technicians who have to work at different times and probably keep learning grab any kind of training you can especially if it's online training where you could do it at your house uh, and encourage others to learn their skills and don't stop uh, and last and what most important don't blow all your money on tools <laughs> i get but. it i get it <laughs> well hey ed thank you so much um you help us demystify all this i mean it, i know it's your career and you see it every day but uh, for a lot of us um you know it's it's not the first thing we we deal with in our day or week and i appreciate you um your insight and it's been a lot of fun talking to you thanks for being on Oh, you're very welcome, Mike. Glad to be here. Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Rosen Friends.